Today's title of today's message is We Are Family. We're going to talk today about spiritual family. Uh, a group of cows, you know this, a group of cows is called a herd, right? A group of lions is called a pride. But did you know that a group of geese is called a gaggle? A group of crows is called a murder. That's usually because they showed up when something done got murdered, right? And a group of owls is called a parliament. Get you some of that. You could probably run with that one. But a group of people who know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and then begin to make a difference is called a spiritual family. It's called an activated church, and that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And so today we're going to focus on the part of family. We've been in the book of Acts for these few weeks, and we've been talking about and using the example of the first church. It's important that when something shows up for the first time in the Bible, it usually has a great meaning, and it's good for us to pay extra attention to something when it happens the first time in the Bible. So this, in the book of Acts, is the first church. The first church was an incredible church. It's the example, it's the model that we've been called to follow. God gave us an example. He didn't just send us out blind and said, good luck. He, he gave us an example called the first church. And so to pick up the story and to help us understand what spiritual family is, we're going to use the example of the first church in the book of Acts, chapter 2, starting in verse 44. It says this, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals, watch this, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So they met together, they shared everything they had, they sold their property and their possessions to make sure that nobody was left empty-handed, to make sure that everybody had what they needed. There was no welfare, there was no social security, there was none of these things going on at the time. This was a community of people who were so in love with God that it spilled over in love towards one another. They were generous. Think about this. When you're born again, you give your life to Jesus and you're born again like the Bible says, it says that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. I can't help but believe that when God's Spirit comes to live inside of you, that something needs to change that's coming out of you. Amen? Like generosity should rise up inside of you. When, when Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus is living inside of you, you should become generous. You should have joy. Come on. Am I preaching right at this funeral? There should be joy inside of us. We've been given new life. The Bible says the old man is gone. You're a new creation now. All because you gave your life to Jesus, you were born again, and now his spirit lives inside of you. The first church was birthed because the Holy Spirit was inside of them. It says they shared everything. They met in homes Daily, they shared their meals. Come on, somebody. I like to share meals. I like to share your meals. I like your meals. <laughs> that was a plug. 
Um, they shared their meals, watch this, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all their people. Now watch this. The thing is, is that there was, there was such a change in these people that this community was developed, not intentionally, I don't believe. I believe it's just something that just happened because God's spirit was in about 3,000 people. And they just said, you know what? We got a lot of things in common all of a sudden. Let's get together. And they got together and they just started caring for one another. You see, the problem with the American church is, is that they've put a ton of pressure on the pastor to care for the whole flock. And that's unbiblical. The biblical way is that the pastor would raise up other shepherds to care for the flock. Because one man can't care, can't care for everybody. Right? Even a big, bald-headed guy can't care for everybody. But it's my job to raise up leaders to care for the body, for the people. And so today, you actually have an opportunity to join into this care community called the Life Group. Right after this service, you'll get an opportunity to sign up for one of our incredible life groups. These are people that Cheryl and I have invested in that are now breaking off into smaller groups to, to do what we call life groups, which is just a smaller group of people that are doing life together. It's where care happens. It's a model of the first church. They, they met in the temple at times, but they also met at homes. Come on, somebody. And they broke bread together. Some of them literally brought bread to get you to sign up for their group this morning <laughs> with, a, with a weenie in the middle of it <laughs> called a kalachi, praise Jesus. By the way, those things will be in heaven. I just know it. But the Bible says that the Lord added to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. It was such an incredible community that it was attractive. It was attractive. Life groups are attractive. Most people think that church is preaching programs and potlucks, but it's not just that. It's us doing life together called spiritual family. So let me pose a question. Do you have spiritual family? Are you connected to other believers that you call spiritual family? And I'm going to bring some clarity to that today. In our culture today, there is a hunger for family more than ever before. I want to throw a new term out to you called crowded loneliness. It's where you can be in the middle of a crowd yet still be lonely. You realize today we're, we're more connected than we've ever been in history. We're surrounded by more people than we've ever been in history. Yet we're lonelier than we've ever been in history. And you ask the question, how can we be so connected, so surrounded, yet be so lonely? It's amazing. It's amazing to me how social media doesn't fill the gap of face-to-face conversation. How it leaves you empty and void of all the things that you desire, but yet we still take it as a substitute for real relationship. I'm telling you today that God designed us to be in relationship face-to-face, sitting down, enjoying the fellowship of one another. The old-timers had it right, (laughs) y'all. That's why we had porches on our houses back in the day. Because you used to sit on those porches in rocking chairs for hours and talk. That's connection. How many of you missed the, the rocking on, on, the, on the porch with Mama or Papa? 
I would, I would give a, a toe to go sit down with my grandmother again one more time. One hour. I'll substitute a toe for one hour. I got wide feet. I can manage without one toe. Not that you really needed to know that. But we're created for family. You see, spiritual family is God's greatest desire, but is also Satan's greatest threat. I'm telling you today that he loves nothing more than to isolate you. He's trying his hardest to get you to isolate so that he can jump on you. It's, it's National Geographic, y'all. It's, it's, the, it's the gazelles running and the cheetah comes out of the bush and he chases what seems to be the weakest one just to isolate it, right? Come on, you've watched the movie and you're like, oh no, he's going to kill the gazelle. The gazelle don't die when it stays in the herd. <laughs> right? Satan wants to isolate you. He wants to get you alone so that he can get you out of relationship. You see, isolation is Satan's strategy to keep you from what God has for you. The question is, is are you isolated? I'll define it like this. Are you independent? Are you full of pride? I don't need anybody else in my life. You see, to me, there's three types of relationships that all of us need. We need a spiritual father and mother that can deposit into us. We need spiritual brothers and sisters that we can grow with and encourage one another. But then we also need spiritual sons and daughters that we can pour into. If you don't have those three relationships, you are a bit isolated. Does that clear it up some? But you don't have to be. You don't have to be isolated. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be by yourself. God created this thing called spiritual family, and all of us are welcome into his family. Amen? We're all welcome into his family. But there's a couple of reasons that we isolate that I feel like I need to address this morning. The first reason is because we've been hurt. Anybody ever been hurt? Family hurt? Maybe a little church hurt. Come on, you would think, well, you go to church, you don't get hurt. You ain't been to church very long. Family is family, and people are people, and we will hurt one another. Amen? I can love you deeply and still hurt you, but sometimes people isolate because they've been hurt. They've been let down. They've been disappointed. Maybe somebody didn't show up when they thought they needed to show up. And they were hurt. And because of that hurt, they took themselves out of the family and isolated. Well, all you've really done is made a bad situation worse. Because now you've positioned yourself for the enemy to come straight at you and take you out. You see, real spiritual family and healthy spiritual family is an environment where you can be hurt but yet be restored at the same time. That the very people that hurt you could be used by God to restore you. But that can be difficult, can't it? The person that hurts me is going to restore me? You'll be amazed at how God does things. We've all been offended by family, and we have all offended family, haven't we? Yeah, you've been offended, but you have offended other people. 
Shake your head yes. You're in church. God knows. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had food poisoning? Shake your head. If you did, did you quit eating? No, you did not quit eating because you would die, right? Just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you need to quit. Amen, Pastor. Amen. We've been hurt, so we'll tend to isolate. We'll tend to give up. We'll tend to push away. Some people will stay, but still be isolated in the crowd. You'll stay, but you'll stay bitter. You'll stay, but you'll stay hurt. Some people don't know how to get over anything. We just hold in the hurt. But God never intended for us to hold in the hurt. James 5.16 says this, Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. Get you some of that instantly, y'all. Not every hurt takes 10 years to heal from. Some of them you can get over today. It's possible. Oh, yeah. Just because they didn't shake your hand when you walked into church this morning doesn't mean. We'll isolate because we've been hurt. The second reason we all isolate is because of shame. Let's just be real honest. We all have a past. How many of you got a yesterday? That you're not so proud of. You used to brag about it, but now you hide from it. Isn't that crazy? Shame. And the enemy's trying to convince you to keep your mouth shut about who you used to be. Because lined up in the story of who you used to be is how God redeemed you into who you are today. So if the enemy can shame you and keep your mouth closed about what you used to be, then he can keep people from seeing God's power in your life to got you here today. I'm a new creation. Thank God for that. The old is gone. Thank God for that. I can talk about it. It's not me. That was the old me. This is the new me. The revised version. The new one. New and improved. Slicker and faster. Come on, somebody. But the enemy wants to keep shame hanging over your head. The Bible's clear that when shame comes, it's not for us to stay underneath it. It's for us to expose it. That's why the Bible says that when you sin, you go to Jesus and you confess your sin because he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and then to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which I think is incredible because it tells me I don't have to live in shame. I can still live clean, and I get to determine how fast that happens. Making sense? So sometimes we isolate because of shame. But when you isolate, you cut yourself off from the very things God wants to give you. Isolation is prideful. You might think you're, you're protecting yourself, but you're being prideful. You're saying, I don't need other people. Do you realize God created all these different people and put them in your life at, at very strategic times to help you for very strategic purposes? Isn't 
God has put people in my life for seasons at times just to be there for me, to help me, to encourage me, to give me wisdom, and then he removed them. And God's put me in people's life to help them and to encourage them and to strengthen them, and then he's removed me at times. Humble is the man who can receive help from somebody else. Amen? But when you isolate, you cut yourself off from the very things that God wants to give you. So let me give you three things that can only be found in spiritual family. You'll only find these things when you're connected to spiritual family. The first one is unity. It's unity. And all of us need to be united to something. All of us need to be united to a family. It's unity. Acts chapter 13 says this, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, uh, Simeon called the black man, Lucius the Cyrene, Manian, the, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. There was five leaders mentioned in the Bible, and one was from the Middle East, one from Asia, one from the Mediterranean, and two from Africa. What is God saying? That you need people different than you in your life. God's church, God's family is very diverse. It has many colors in it. Come on. Dumb is the person who can't receive from somebody else who's the opposite color. Dumb. God gave us diversity for a reason. He made me big, bald, and beautiful. Some of y'all are made skinny. And that's all you can brag about. But we need each other. Amen? Some of you worry about everything and you're OCD about things because us people like me that don't worry about details need y'all in our lives because y'all keep all the pieces together while we plow through the field. The verse. But it's unity, not uniformity. We're all going to look different. God never wanted you to be anybody else but yourself. Just be yourself. Appreciate being yourself. Because the world and the church needs you to be you. Amen? We need to be united. We need to be together. And it's going to look different. And it's going to be diverse. God's called us to be united. Who are you united with? The second thing that we only find in spiritual family is strength. Strength. Acts chapter 14 says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. Watch this. But as the believers gathered around him, as the believers gathered around him, they drug Paul out of town, throwing him in the trash because they thought he was dead. Threw him out, but he had a crowd that surrounded him. When you're down and out, who's going to surround you? Who's your crowd? 
Do you have people close enough to you that can tell when you're down and out? Do you have people that know you well enough to know when you're discouraged and you're boudin and you're, you're pouting and you're whining? Do you have people close enough to know when you're hurting? Is there people close enough to know when you're about to quit something? That can say to you, don't give up. Just keep on going. Just go to bed, wake up tomorrow, and repeat, and do it again, and God's going to deliver you. It's going to be okay. Do you have people that will surround you when you're down and out? You see, Paul had people that loved him enough that they gathered around him. What were they doing? I can guarantee they were praying. I can guarantee you they were mending his wounds. I can guarantee you some of them were encouraging him. Come on, bro, get up. Come on, man, breathe. Come on, man, get up. Get up, bro, you got this, man. Come on, bro. Come on, Paul, you can do it, man. Come on, Paul. Come on, man. Encouraging him, mending his wounds, helping him, giving him a hand. Watch what happens. He got up. And not only did he get up, he went back in. This is where they got the movie Rocky from. This is Rocco. Yo, Adrian. This is Rocky, y'all. He got knocked down and he got up and he got back in. The question is, what knocks you down? And when it knocks you down, can you get back up? And when you get back up, can you go back in? On your own, I would highly doubt it. But with a crowd, a spiritual family, you'll get back up and you'll go back in. Amen? That's why I love sports growing up. Because you had a team, man. You get knocked down, you get hurt. Coach comes swat you on the behind. Come on, boy, you can do it. Now, if it wouldn't be in the game, that'd feel real funny. But because it was in the context of a game, it was like, yeah, let's go, coach. Don't do that at Walmart. It ain't going to work. <laughs> call, call the police. Somebody do that to you at Walmart. <laughs> he got back up. And he got back in. But you want to hear something? It gets even better than that. Not only did he get back up and get back in. He went back in the town. They thought he was dead. He went back in the town. The Bible says the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby after preaching the good news in Derby and making many, say many, many disciples. Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia where they strengthened all the believers. Paul didn't let what they did to try to kill him keep him down. He got back up because of his crowd, and he got back in because of his crowd, and he started making disciples. That's just a good old Christian way of pointing your finger in the devil's face and say, get you some of this. Because it's one thing to create a convert. It's another thing to create a disciple. Because disciples don't fall easy. You see, Paul took what the enemy tried to hurt him with and turned that hurt into pain and and that suffering into encouragement and said, I'm going back in. I'm not giving up. I'm going to set some other people free. I'm going to keep doing the work. Hit me again. I'll come even harder. The question is, is can you get back up? 
on your own, I highly doubt it. With a crowd, a spiritual family that knows you, your chances are way better. Way better to get up and get back in and to keep going. You see how the enemy wants to knock you down? He don't mind you getting back up. He'll let you get back up because a lot of people get back up, but they never get back in. And they think just because they get back up, they won. No, you don't win when you get back up. You win when you get back in. And you go back at it again. Right? And the next time the enemy comes at you, you flip the script and you go back at him even harder. Amen? That's when you win. Strength. We need strength. All of us need strength. Spiritual family is where you give and receive strength. Sometimes I give strength. Some days I need strength. I thank God that I have people around me that recognize when I need strength. Amen? The Bible says this, that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Do you realize the minute you connect with one other believer called spiritual family, or you connect with another believer, you become 10 times stronger? Okay, did y'all just do the math? One, a thousand. Two, 10,000. That's 10, y'all. 10. You get 10 times stronger when you and another believer connect. What happens when you get about five or six? What happens when you get yourself joined into a life group? Rut row. The enemy's scared now. You see, he loves it when you're in isolation because you're not a threat. But when you're in an environment where you can receive strength and give strength and you're 10 times stronger than you are on your own, He'll do everything he can to prevent that. Right? Here's the truth. Is we're all going to go through some rough times. I'm proud to tell you today, until Jesus returns, you're going to experience hell for a little while. You will. You can do it alone, or you can do it with a crowd. Take the crowd. It's better with the crowd. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. I can't help but believe that God created people to put in my life just to help me. And God created me to put in other people's life just to help them. I wish I could tell you I was created just to help everybody. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Some of you, your marriage is in trouble, your finances are about to fall apart, and you're not talking to anybody about this. Some of you are struggling on the inside, and you're, at, you're on your last thread, but you're just holding it all into yourself, and you're not talking to anybody, and you've isolated yourself, and you can't let that out. You weren't intended to not let it out. You weren't created to hold it in. You explode. You do. You see, I got I to gotta be around some people that know me. I can be a lot of, around a lot of people that I know, but I need to be around some people that know me. 
Like, know me well enough to know when I'm struggling. Know me well enough to know when I need some help. How many of you know that person? We all know somebody who knows everybody, right? You can pop up somebody, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. That's so-and-so's mama and sister and brother. That's, it's related to me way down the line. How many of you know people like that? They know everybody. I mean, you don't even need a phone book. They just know everybody. Their, their middle name is Facebook. But the question is, is who knows them? See, you can know a lot of people, but who knows you? Because you can be in the crowd and still be isolated. Who knows you? The third thing that we can only find in spiritual family is encouragement. How many of you could use a little bit of encouragement? Truett Cathy said, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? If the person is breathing, they need encouragement. Who do I encourage? Whoever's breathing. Acts 14 verse 22 says, where they strengthened the believers, they encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever wanted to quit? Don't raise your hands because it would be real embarrassing, but anybody ever wanted to quit their marriage? I said not to raise your hand. <laughs> it's okay because your wife's not here. And y'all better not tell on him. <laughs> How many of you ever wanted to quit your job? How many of you ever wanted to quit life? You thought about it. You thought about just ending it all. That would be the best thing you could do. You want to know something? You only quit when you're alone. Most people don't quit in a crowd. They don't quit when they're connected to other people. Because God's designed and constructed this thing in such a way that when we're connected to other people, we find encouragement and we find hope. And we get an encouraging word from other people. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13 says, encourage one another every day. How often? Every day. What does it cost you to encourage somebody? You know, the best gift you can give your children sometimes is encouragement. Sometimes they need to hear, you're smarter than that, without a negative tone attached to it. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah, knucklehead, why are you smart? No, no, I like that. Like, like, you're smarter than that. You're intelligent. Man, you're talented. You're gifted. Pooh, girl, you look good. You're my princess. I brainwashed my daughters. The world's trying to tell them how to dress. Like a farm tool. I'm trying to tell them how they look, like a princess. Amen? You're beautiful, baby. You're amazing. You know encouragement is cheaper than an iPhone? Cheaper than a, I don't know, what do they, they call those? Is this Nintendo still make things today? Yeah? Xbox? Yeah. Encouragement is cheaper than that. Let me show you something about encouragement that's encouraging. When I go to someone, let's say I, I come to Angelique, 
And I encourage Angelique. Let's say I see her, I know her well enough, she's kind of downcast in the face, kind of walking in. She's got breath. Hello. She can use some encouragement. I say, girl, you're looking good today. I said, that boy of yours is incredible. You're doing a great job. You're a great mama. Keep up the good work. Proud of you. Watch what happens. Her countenance lifts. Life comes back into her. And then what happens to me? I get encouraged from my encouragement. Instead of pouting about not having somebody to encourage you, why not encourage somebody and experience their encouragement and let that become your encouragement? Man, that's how you encourage yourself. Encourage somebody else. Watch their countenance change. And you go, that was good. Because you see, you got to give away a lot of times what you need. You can't just always sit back and wait for it to come to you. You got to sometimes go out and make it happen, right? Sometimes you got to find somebody, tell them, man, your hair looks good. My case, tell me my head's shaped good. I had a guy the other day, and I knew it was fake, but he goes, bro, you lost some weight. And I was about to pop off and say, bro, you lost no weight. I said, I'll take it. You find encouragement in spiritual family. Watch this story in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about a time that he was encouraged. He says this in chapter 7. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We, we faced conflict on, from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence, Titus's presence, was a joy. What was Paul saying? Life has been crazy. Battles from every direction. Fear on the inside. You ever have those weeks, those months, those years? He says, but God encouraged us. How did God God encourage Paul? Did he do a miracle? He sent a brother. Sometimes you think you need a miracle when you only need a brother or a sister. Sometimes you just need somebody sent from God to just be with you. It doesn't say that Titus said anything. It doesn't say that he came with this eloquent eloquent speech all written up. It just says he showed up. And watch what it says. His presence was a joy. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do for people is just go be with them. Because let's be honest, we don't always have the words. I've gone to some of my friends sometimes when I knew they were hard. It was a hard time, a hard season for them. And I just go and I say, hey, want to go take a ride? Yeah. And you know they're in bad shape and don't even ask where you're going. <laughs> they just go ride the back roads, right? And just be there. Sometimes just your presence is enough to encourage somebody. Are you tuned into God enough to know when he says to go see somebody? 
You see, one of my favorite things about Christianity is when I have my quiet times in the mornings and God will drop somebody's name in my mind. He'll say, call so-and-so. Send them a text. Sometimes he says, go see this person. I have no clue what I'm walking into. I just know that when God sends me, he's going to bring encouragement with me. And he never leaves me empty-handed. I've never shown up with an empty envelope. God's always had something to bring encouragement. It's one of the most fulfilling things in ministry is to be there for somebody when they, when they feel like they have nobody. Encouragement keeps us going no matter the adversity we face. Encouragement will get you to heal faster. With good encouragement, you'll recover faster. With good encouragement, you'll get up and get back in a whole lot faster. Amen? With some good encouragement. How do I become a part of spiritual family? I'm glad you asked that question this morning. I'm going to give you two ways. Number one, commit. You'll get the best out of a relationship when you commit to it. Today's life group launch day. We're giving you an opportunity to, to do life for the next 12 to 13 weeks with people that have been trained to do that life and to lead that group. And we're inviting you today, giving you an opportunity today to sign up for a life group. I can get a ton of people to sign up. The struggle is getting that same ton of people to show up. Because something crazy happens between Sunday service and even Sunday night. It's like some, the devil come, done, come and took your commitment. I don't know what happened, but like you just get lost in the crowd. When are you going to commit to something? When are you going to commit to a relationship? When are you going to commit to a group of people? When are you going to commit? Because you're never going to know the fulfilling parts of being connected to spiritual family until you commit to it. Until you commit to it. Do you know what's on the other side of your commitment? No, you don't until you commit. <laughs> right? Commit to it. Say, I'm going to be there. <laughs> oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> some, com- some people commit to Little League more than they commit to God and his people and his church. Your kid won't miss a practice, but you'll drop church in a heartbeat. Say, ouch. Isn't it funny how we'll commit to things that we don't need to commit to and not commit to the things that we do need to commit to? And the whole time we're wondering why our life ain't is all crazy and nuts. <laughs> it's quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> Who was quiet? I didn't say that to make you feel bad. I said that to make you aware that sometimes we, without even thinking, commit to things that we don't even need to commit to. But we need to commit because then we get to understand what the blessing is of that commitment. It's like marriage. Cheryl and I used to have an attender type of relationship. We'd go out on dates, and I'd try to give me a little smooch before I dropped her off. But I had to drop her off. She went to her house, and I went to mine. It was an attender kind of relationship. There wasn't much commitment. Now, we committed to not do that with anybody else for a while, and that was great. But one day, we signed up for membership. 
We became members. You know, there's benefits for membership. You know what I'm talking about. There's benefits with membership, right? I mean, you, you, join, you join a health club, you get benefits, right? You get married, you, you, you join the membership of marriage, there's benefits, right? Come on. Do I have to explain it to you? You get, like, encouragement, like friendship. You're not lonely anymore. What were y'all thinking? Oh, I know what y'all were thinking. Y'all need some help. But that is a benefit, right? It's time to commit, y'all. You want to be a part of something, you got to commit to it. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you just need to be friendly. It's as simple as that. I'll never forget Virginia when she was probably in her early teens. She came to me one day when, when she was homeschooled. We sent her to school. She's like, Dad, I don't, have, I don't have no friends. I whooped up my Bible. I said, well, the Bible says if you're friendly, you'll have friends. So let's pray for you to have some friends and you just go be friendly. And then all of a sudden she had a whole crowd of people that she was friends with. It's amazing. God's words works. Right? So how do you become a part of spiritual family? You commit to it. You sign up and show up. Maybe you need to commit to going through next step. Maybe you need to join a life group. Maybe you just need to commit your life to Jesus today. Number two is then to contribute. But this is a tricky one. Because some of us feel like we don't have anything to contribute. Some of us haven't come to the clear understanding that when we were born again and God's Holy Spirit came to live inside of us, now all of a sudden we got something to give. Some of you still think you're that old couillon who you was before you gave your life to Jesus. And it's not true. You're not that same old couillon you used to be. You're a better one. <laughs> right? You have something to give. Some of you, your life story is, is just a story waiting to set people free. But the longer you hang on to it and you don't commit to it and you don't contribute, the longer the people around you suffer. Look at me. Every one of you has something to give. Every one of us has something to give. There's an experience that you've gone through. There's, there's a talent or a gift that God's put inside of you. There's a personality that you possess that nobody else around us has your personality. And you go, well, I just thought I was weird. You're not weird. You're just unique. <laughs> right? But we all have something to give. Every one of us has something to give. What would happen if we all started contributing? First of all, what would happen if we all committed? What would happen if we all committed to one another like the first church and say, you know what? I'm going to be here for other people. Even though I have needs, I'm going to be here for other people. I'm going to make sure their needs are getting met because in that process, my needs are getting met. I'm going to commit and then I'm going to contribute. What would happen? The same thing that happened in the book of Acts would happen. Miracles would happen. Signs and wonders would happen. God would add people to the church daily. Daily. Come on. Who's waiting to get what you got? Because you all got something to give. Every one of you. Amen. You got something to give. It's time to let it out. You have what others need, and others have what you need. 
It's as simple as that. Can I pray for you? Don't isolate. Don't let the enemy isolate you. Don't let hurt isolate you. Don't let shame isolate you. Find the unity that comes in spiritual family. Find the strength that comes with spiritual family. And find the encouragement that comes with spiritual family.